Welcome to the Sky's the Limit with host D. Brown, the president and CEO of the P3 Group, the nation's largest minority public private partnership real estate developer. Here's D. Joining me this week on the Sky's the Limit is Elsa Brown. Elsa is the president and CEO of Copeland Contractor, a 100% woman owned construction company with offices in DeSoto. San Antonio and Universal City, Texas. Elsa, welcome to the Sky's the Limit. Thank you, Dee. Appreciate the opportunity. Oh, it's a pleasure having you on my podcast. And it's even more exciting to feature a woman in construction as my guest. So tell us a little bit about Copeland Contracting. Thank you. Copeland Contracting is actually an acquisition company. Back in 1990, Copeland was found. I actually formed my own company in 2005. That company bear my name, Ian Brown. I had an opportunity to buy into the corporation and merge the corporations and have operated under the name Copeland Contracting since January 1st of 2008. So I'm a sole owner and president and CEO of the corporation. Wow. So what type of work does Copeland Contracting self-perform? We self-perform plumbing, electrical, and concrete work. Elsa, tell us a little bit about your early life so that the listeners can get a better understanding of your background and where you come from. I come from some humble beginnings with great expectations. I actually was um, come from Puerto Rico. All my family lives in Puerto Rico. And uh, in Puerto Rico, everything is made out of concrete. So my family is in carpentry and fishing industry. Uh, and my grandfather would always be doing concrete. I automatically always leaned towards an interest in what he did. And that was the first of my thoughts that I could do something in architecture. So I ended up getting a scholarship after I went to high school in Deerfield Beach, Florida. And went to Georgia Tech. And that's how I ended up getting a civil engineering and construction degree from Georgia Tech. Uh, I also studied architecture at Georgia Tech. Once I finished at Georgia Tech, I was recruited uh, into a large corporation where I worked for about five years and learned the industry of general contracting in healthcare and education. And that led me into what I do today. Wow. So coming from Puerto Rico, you've been in construction 25 years. 15 years as an owner. Tell me what made you take the jump from architecture to get into construction as an actual general contractor, but not only that, also as an owner. When I went to Georgia Tech, I went with the inspiration of being an architect. I actually um, had the ability to draw and had a lot of interest in design. Um, but when I finished Georgia Tech, my opportunity came from a construction company. And I had to define myself more into how to participate in the construction side. I also had studied building construction. So it was a, one of those transitions that I could do either one. So I never functioned as an architect, but those skill sets did assist me in understanding what I was building. Um, when I went to work in the general contracting side, I had a lot of focus on how to build things. So ever since I have been in the industry, I have always worked in the capacity of self-performing. What is interesting about that is a lot of people in construction do management. I have always been in the capacity of being responsible for the delivery of building a product, uh, typically in concrete or in the MEP trades. What has been good about that is that I have been very close with the trades, which ultimately, as a owner, it's where the job creation comes in. So when I participate in a project, we actually do put work in place and have the capacity and the understanding on how to build to what is necessary to put the project forward. We mostly work in commercial projects. As a matter of fact, we only exclusively work in commercial industry. 
which is the industry of healthcare in K through 12 in transportation. Elsa, as you are aware, women only make up approximately 10% of the total number of workers in the construction industry. Yes. I know you're passionate about increasing the number of women in this critically important field. Talk to me about your efforts in that area. <laughs> so I recently I had a, a lot of soul searching of why there are so few women in construction. I think after choosing the path of being in this field since I was perhaps 15 years old, my thoughts of going into this field never changed. So for me, the visualization that at a young age that I could participate in construction came from the inspiration of seeing my family build, but as workers, my family were the workers in the company. When I went to Georgia Tech, I never changed my mind that I could do something in the technical side of things. And I always stayed very close to the arts and mathematics and science. So step number one, there has to be a high interest in the STEMs, but there also has to be an awareness that women fear STEMs and we have to, from a very young age, put them into it. I say that because what I do for a living does require an education. So it's right. gonna require a bachelor's degree in some level of a mathematic related industry, whether that's civil engineering or architecture or construction management, you will have to have some level of math and science. With that said, the first block that we have is to interest young ladies to be able to visualize themselves and work themselves through the stems to do what I do. But I do have a little secret to share with you. The stems in construction and for the construction portion of are nowhere near as high demand on your mathematical skills as they are in something, let's say like a chemist or a chemical engineer. So therefore this is an entry that women can participate in the stems to a practical value of putting a product out such as a construction product. The other secret that I have for the women is that it is an entry in which you do not necessarily have to work in the physical side. I think when we think of construction, we think of a business that is of men building. In reality, construction, probably 50% of it is what I call a soft engineering management financial component, whether it's design, architecture, project management, program management, financial management. There's all kinds of parts of construction, including the ownership of a company that you can participate in this business without being the person that actually constructs. So I think that understanding that is one way that we can entice young women to participate in what we do. I also have a third thing that I think is very important for women in construction, and that is that construction is a logistic and organizational skill because of how many things that come together to build something, whether it's a school, a convention center, or a hotel, there's a lot of logistics involved. And women do have the ability to manage logistics really well when you're putting things together. So the first thing that we have to do is for women to understand how they can participate so that they can visualize themselves and choose career path that put them in this path. I used to be, thinking that we were not given the opportunity to enter. Today, I understand that if we don't position ourselves to be at the door, then there will never be a threshold for us to go over. So it's very important that we understand to put ourselves at the door to be able to enter that room. That means proper selection of your educational skills so that you can then be part of that to, be enter, to enter into this market. And construction is a fantastic market for women to succeed in. Statistics show that women in construction earn 95% of what men earn. So there's still work left to be done to achieve pay equality. 
What do you think can be done to help women earn equal pay in the construction industry? Great question. However, I do agree with you that it, that is a 5% gap and I'm sure you did your homework on that and I will yield to your findings. However, I would also state that it's still a smaller gap than it is in other industries. There are other industries that are equal that we're getting paid 65 cents on a dollar to what a man makes, okay? So that means that we do have a quicker path in construction for equality. We are very sought after in construction. A lot of companies do put women in the path of success when they enter because we are, there's so few of us, there's less competition for us. There are uh, better opportunities to be invited. However, when we get to a certain level, there's a cap. And that's where joining into ownership or a smaller corporation for growth comes in, in partnership and that continual education improvement on yourself. So what can I do? I control the payroll. I control what I can pay people. And when a woman in construction works in my corporation, they are paid equal to anything that I do with the men. And also, should they come into our corporation, they're giving equal chance to grow. Now, I will tell you that sadly, uh, very seldom do I get the resume of a woman on my desk. And sadly, very little do I get to meet women approximately my age into this industry. So what I can do right now is the encouragement of younger women to look at this as an optional value, an option of them to make a living. And with everything that has just happened during the pandemic, this could be a field in which women can see themselves transferring from perhaps being in other fields such as nursing or education and to jump into construction. With a background in nursing, with a background in education, you can take classes that will put you in a position as a master's to enter the field of construction, especially if you already have another bachelor's. You're talking about a master that takes less than two years. So there's an opportunity for you to do a transfer of skills and still use the skills that you learn in another profession to enter the world of, of construction. So I welcome everyone to look at this as an option on how to change. I would also say that even though it's a 5% gap, construction is one of those fields in which you can make a very, very, very good living. So for example, a typical project manager in a construction industry of a commercial project, even in the state of Texas, which may not be one of the highest paid states due to the cost of living, is still an 85 to $100,000 job position with healthcare, with a car allowance, with a gas card, with paid time off. That is not a bad job for a woman in construction. And it's definitely always a salary position and not an hourly position where you can be neglected on the benefits or on the income. So I welcome women to consider this path as a way of, construct of making a living. I know that one of your passions is to create job opportunities. You have been very successful in this area and have created jobs to support more than 200 families. As you are aware, I share the same passion. Why yes. is job creation so important for you? So one time someone asked me what's the best thing I've ever built. And at that time, um, I'd said it was definitely a nine month project, which was my child, which is now a young lady who's 21 going on 22 years old. But the second best I've ever done as being a business owner is the ability to create jobs to see how other people can improve their position financially. So one of the reasons why I am in the mechanical, electrical, and plumbing division of construction, and for those of us who know construction, MEP is a very, that is the portion, if a building had life like a human being, mechanical, electrical, and plumbing would be like the nerve system and the digestive system of a building. Without it, the building doesn't exist. 
so it is a, it, every building has those trades. That's one of the reasons I picked those trades. Secondly, that is one of the highest paid trades in construction. The minimal value of the hourly wages can range anywhere from 22 to $45 an hour. So my master plumbers in particular jobs, especially when we're in scale jobs, are, make, are doing a pay that is typically 15 to $20 more per hour than your typical job outside of construction or other trades in construction. So this is very important because we are a licensed trade and that's where the magic comes in. There's only a couple of licensed trades in construction. NEP is one of them and elevators. There's other trades, but we have to have a license to operate and that is the case in every jurisdiction, at least in the United States. That's what makes it a job creation that creates a skill set that could be transferable to whatever other company you go. I am okay with people coming to work with me and transferring to better opportunities. At least they were given the opportunity to train. I would like to also tell you this. I recently read an article that finally we are considering these traits to be put into the curriculum of high school education in the state of Texas. I wish that this would be done around the United States because I do not see the day, no matter how smart we get in construction, that the mechanical, electrical, and plumbing traits will be robotic or prefabricated. This is something that we'll always have to do, especially also in concrete. So the trace that I have picked, concrete, is because I'm a civil engineering major and absolutely love its structures, and, and mechanical, electrical, and plumbing, because they are licensed traits. And I believe that that will be, create a great opportunity for income. So your typical company in construction and an hourly wage of 12 to $15 an hour, you can imagine what that multiplies on an annual basis. But in the rates we're talking about, you can have a high school degree with a trade and make seventy-five dollars to $80,000 a year to support your family. I think that that is very, very, very powerful. So Elsa, you are a minority and a woman in the construction industry. What have been your biggest challenges in this male-dominated industry as a double minority? I think one of the things that have been very difficult for me is the assumption of what I may or may not know. Since I was very young, I, I was a, a relatively uh, successful student. And when I entered the workforce, I elevated quickly through the workforce. And even today, in which I have dedicated 30 years of my life, 32 years of my life to the education, working and improvement of what I do for a living is the question, do you know? Do you understand? Do you understand what we're trying to do? And I am not saying that I know it all, but it is extremely insulting when you have been doing this for so long and someone who is half your age is still questioning whether or not you understand the concept of what we're doing in a commercial building. Uh, the concept, can I read the drawings? Can I understand the contracts? Can I understand the mathematical uh, estimations of what we're doing for construction? Do I understand the rules of OSHA? Or do I understand the rules of AIA? Uh, do I understand the, the rules of labor management? And that is something that though, no matter how much I spend educating and expanding my knowledge, there's always a question of my ability. I can only, I can only explain that by most of the people that I sit with to negotiate do not necessarily have ever had ever a person that looks like me in front of them. So I have learned to simply shift that over and just assume that their ignorance is not my responsibility. And I simply, answer the questions and go through the process and eventually let them judge whether or not I'm competent enough to perform. And 
recently that has worked for me because instead of being victimized, I kind of put them in queue. And what has happened is, will you ever, as an employee of a large corporation who typically is who is trying to talk to me about uh, contracts or work, would you ever take the chance of starting your own company? And the majority of them will say no. Would you ever take the responsibility of payroll? The majority of them will say no. And by the way, I do, I am a graduate of Georgia, uh, Georgia Tech. And, and what I do for a living is one of the best universities. And everything that I have done have been done in the same level of quality of education and access and opportunities as anyone else who is not a minority. So I would say that as I look in the mirror, as I look at you through this camera, that blockage is internal to me. And I cannot let that be or impede my opportunity to move forward. So I would say it's a privilege to be a minority in construction. I would say that it is a privilege to be a woman in construction. You are less likely to be forgotten. There is one of me for every two, 300 of them. Okay, I typically they will walk into a room and I am the only woman in the room in construction. And most likely one or 2% of people who are of any color. So it, 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 is, it is a privilege to be so unique instead of it being a disadvantage to be a minority in construction. That's how I have been able to survive. Elsa, how has the construction industry changed as it relates to diversity, equity, and inclusion, specifically for women over the last 25 years? I, I do think in my lifetime, there has been more obviousness, more, there's more, more interest in the behalf of our public owners to have inclusion into projects. So what we see more is that there are these private entities that are majority white men run that understand that they have an owner that needs and demands inclusion by contract terms. Thank you owners for doing that. By doing that, you have forced them to at least have no choice but to seek out companies like ourselves. However, what has not changed and that is now is looked upon not as a sentiment of what we should do for equality in this country or in this industry specifically, but rather to meet the obligations of a contract. So what I would like to see is that, yes, continue to put work, the, the, the lobbying forward in contracts or whatever we need to do to at least have an entry point, but to not be capping us as being 5% needs to go to women owned. So for example, I recently uh, have been working very closely with the SBA because of some certifications that I have received. And even in the federal government, 5% of the spend with women businesses. Even the federal government has put us at 5% every single industry, every single industry. And last time we checked, we were about 50% of the population. So as long as we think that we need to fall into this bucket of 5%, that's wrong, okay? So D, I'm gonna tell you something. In K through 12 and a lot of the projects that I have done, it has nothing to do with minority status. I have been in situations in which I have worked with people because of a company named like Copeland, because everything is done on the internet, in which 10, 15 years later, the owner of that company may not have known that I was woman or minority whatsoever. That's fine, because that means you hired me for qualifications and not necessarily for gender or color. Um, however, when they do find out, um, at that point, the proven record is there and we don't have to talk about it anymore. But whenever somebody has sought me out strictly on gender and color, those relationships have not necessarily been for the best because it's constantly coming in specifically to justify 
how we may not be qualified enough to perform the work. So they want to give us very minimal opportunities. So that has not changed. I, I recently thought that after I finish what I'm doing for a living, I would love to be an advocate for the, an organization like the SBA, where there could be more understanding that it's good to bring women into business. It's good for us as families, it's good for us as an economy, it's good as, for us as a, as a country, it's good for our families and our children, it's good for our daughters to see us in the industry. And this is something that we need to improve so that we don't ever have to put the 5% qualification on contracts. Oh, absolutely. So Elsa, you have been part of some very significant projects, which include work at DFW Airport, Dallas Love Field Runways, and Dallas Area Rapid Transportation Blue Line, just to name a few. Which projects have been most significant to you? I do not want to offend any of my clients. Every client that I have worked for have been a very important project to me. So I'm going to refer to it in the industries. Uh, one of the things that as an owner that I get to do is to come to decide what industry I am going to go into. I will say that I have a lot of appreciation for, the, for DART here in the Dallas area. That project was definitely a, cat a catalyst for us to grow. And I, and I do owe the organizations like DART a major thank you uh, for the inclusive portions of the project. And we had, we, we had an opportunity to build uh, four bridges and a, a really uh, important project for the, it's pretty much a light rail the, that we have here in DART in, uh, in Dallas from Garland to Rolette. So it's about a five mile project. It was a great project for us and it really brought a lot of good talent into my company, which I eventually kept on working with. So transportation is very, very, very important because we are included in transportation work due to the rules that we have with the federal government. Another part that I really, really enjoy working with is healthcare because we minorities, we women need healthcare. And so I have worked in a lot of hospitals uh, and have worked for great clients in the healthcare field. And last but not least, I am passionate about building for our children. So I would say probably 50% of the work that I've done in my lifetime has been dedicated to schools, both in the higher education and what we call the K through 12 market. I think the taxpayers for passing bonds and the opportunity that we have had to build schools for our local communities. So for me, I concentrated more on making sure that when I leave this earth, that the whatever projects we worked on were for the good of our community and for many, and not necessarily a hotel or a casino. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but I have made a conscious decision to build things that are good for our community. Elsa, you have numerous awards and honors, including being nominated for the Day of Construction Worker Lifetime Achievement Award in 2018. What achievement has been most significant to you? When I was um, a relatively still young person, I received an award called 40 Under 40 which was actually the local business community in San Antonio, Texas. That award, I met quite a group of people. And then eventually I also received an award from um, one of our Congresswomen here in, in uh, Texas. And I think that that was an award a little early in my life. I think I was about 35, 34 years old when I received that award, but it kind of put the burden on my shoulders to uh, for the expectations that there were of me. I had been running my business for about five years at that time. So I think those awards were uh, a little early, 
but definitely show the trust the community had in me as a leader to to grow. And and until this day, I have those awards in my personal office. You are a member of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority. And of course, yes, I'm a sir. member of Kappa Alpha Psi Fraternity. And sororities and fraternities play a significant role in the lives of many people around the world. What role yes, does sir. your sorority play in your personal and professional life? Thank you for that acknowledgement. And uh, yes, I am an AKA, very proud AKA for the better chapter of Georgia Tech. When I went to Georgia Tech, unbeknownst to me at that time, when I was a senior in high school, the local chapter of AKAs actually gave me a thousand dollars scholarship to go to Georgia Tech. That thousand dollars was the money that I used on my move to Atlanta. So that was three years before I pledged. To give you an idea that the ladies of Alpha Kappa Alpha Incorporated were backing me up even when I didn't even understand what I was getting myself into. At Georgia Tech, there's a very small pool of women. And obviously there's also a very small pool of black women. So uh, it was a privilege to be selected and incorporated into the organization. And through the years, since I went to an engineering school, pretty much all my sorority sisters are engineers. So for me, a black women in engineering and sciences is a normal thing because my chapter is all engineers. Um, of all of my sorority sisters pretty much are working in the sciences and mathematics and management and have done fantastic in their professional lives. So for me, it has been a cradle of, of, uh, of embracing us, of uh, making sure that we understand that we can move forward. And I'm gonna tell you a little story. One of my things that I understood is I actually read the book, Hidden Figures, not just the movie, but read the book. And the person who pinned me at Georgia Tech was mentioned in that book, okay, Dr. Mm -hmm. Darden. Her daughter is my line sister. And so I then understood that what I am today the engineering, architecture, sciences, the love that I received from the ladies of Alpha Kappa Alpha when I was a very young person have definitely imprinted in me to what I am today. So thank you so much to all my sisters. So Elsa, um, what advice would you give to other women who may have an interest in being part of the construction industry? Number one, definitely look at our industry as all women, all women. Look at our industry as a potential place where you can make a very good living for yourself and participate in one of the most exciting things, which is the infrastructure and the growth of our country through all the buildings and all the things that we do. Wherever you go, see what's man-made built and envision yourself that you can be part of that. Number two, do not be afraid of the math and sciences. We're probably one of the softest places that we can go into. So you can get a construction management degree, uh, which is a, it's not as, uh, as mathematically inclined as an engineering degree to get into our business and with a master's in construction management. And that is okay. It doesn't, it, it's one way that you can enter. And number three, try to participate at least in a job to see whether or not it's something that interests you. Try to participate with a construction company. They, most of our businesses are privately owned. So it's not as easy to find a job as it, well, it is now because of the internet, but try to participate and see if you can envision yourself inside of a construction company like myself or other companies out there to see whether or not it is something that you would like. And before you pick that job, also take a look at what they built because the more you're interested in what's built, the better chance that you're gonna sustain in it. So whether they're airports or transportation or houses or apartments, hotels, schools, whatever the case may be, Try to at least visualize yourself into it 
and give yourself an opportunity to maybe do it for one year and see whether or not this is an industry that would embrace you and keep you for a lifetime. That's great. So Elsa, you have built a very successful company and you have helped a lot of individuals and families through your job creation and other programs. What do you want your legacy to be? I do not think that the, that the work ahead of me that I will have enough lifetime to complete it. So one of the things that I would like to see is for people to understand that I really tried. I really, really tried. And I tried for the benefit of others. Now that I sit into the sunset of the, perhaps the next 10 to 15 years will be the end of my career. I don't plan on working forever is to concentrate on getting out financially stable enough that I can sustain the rest of my life, but more importantly, leaving a continuity plan for someone else to enter. So if I had my total dream is to sell my company to other minorities in an integrated group so that the company can sustain, just like I was able to buy something with a history. Uh, by the time I leave the company, it'll probably have a 50 year history so that that can be sustained and move forward with a group of individuals that happen to look like me. Uh, that will probably be my ultimate dream is to be able to sell, even if it's 20 people who look just like me, so yeah. that they too can have the opportunity to grow and expand their business and continue to create jobs. Elsa, it has been great having you on the show. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of The Sky's the Limit, Beyond the Deal. I have a weekly television show entitled Self Made that is launching March 1st, 2022. And I would love to have you back as a featured guest on this show. So thank you so much for joining me. It would be a pleasure. And thank you so much for everything you do for our community as you yourself are quite an inspiration and a success story. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, Elsa Brown with Copeland Contracting. Thank you, Elsa. Thank you. This has been The Sky's the Limit with Dee Brown. To find out more about Dee, go to dbrownceo.com or Google Dee Brown CEO. And to connect with the P3 Group, check out the P3GroupInc.com. The Sky's the Limit is a production of Self Made D Brown CEO.